Good morning, Renewal. Welcome to this weekend's sermon podcast. Our leadership team, our elders and deacons are away for the weekend seeking the Lord and seeking refreshment in his presence, as well as just spending time fellowshipping together as we plan and dream about the future of our congregation over this next year. Uh, So with us away, uh, I thought it would be great to give you an opportunity to have a little sermon for staying at home uh, if you choose to stay at home. Uh, Others of you, I hope, are choosing to be a part of our church date Sunday effort where we've just encouraged people to go out to other congregations in the community this weekend and worship with them. And so, so hopefully some of you are getting an opportunity to do that today as well. Uh, This week, I wanted to just briefly give a little teaching out of Judges chapter 17 and 18. Uh, These books are towards the end of the book of Judges, and uh, we'll be wrapping up this series here in the next couple of weeks, for sure finishing before Easter. Uh, In the book of Judges, we had stories of men and women that God raised up as deliverers for his people. Uh, and we've talked before about how each of these deliverers points us to Jesus Christ. And at the same time that the story of deliverance is being told, there's another story as well in the book of Judges. It's a story being told about humanity. So where the stories of deliverance point us to Jesus Christ, the stories of humanity point us to uh, just the reality of the human condition, that we as human beings are falling further and further from the destiny that God created us for. These last few stories of Israel in the book of Judges uh, paint a portrait of God's people in the end that looks even worse than the Canaanites that God sent them there to dispossess the land. And I'm not exaggerating that for one, there are no judges in these last chapters. So there's nothing pointing us to the story of Jesus. And I think what we're really meant to come away with is to catch a glimpse of just how far humanity has fallen. And then in reflecting on that, of course, we remember, especially during this uh, Lent season, that we are human, that we too have fallen. And so I think these stories are meant to bring us face to face with our own fallenness. Judges chapter 17 begins with the story of a man named Micah who lives in the hill country of Ephraim. Uh, and, And Micah steals some silver from his mother and then he fesses up to it and And as he returns the silver to her, his mother declares that she's dedicating this silver to the Lord and that she gives it to her son, uh, commissioning him to make uh, an image overlaid with silver. And so Micah makes a shrine in his home and he makes something called an ephod, a religious article. And, And he has some household gods and he installs one of his sons as a priest to this god. And then this line appears in Judges 17, verse 6, where it just reminds us that in those days, Israel had no king, and everyone would just did as they saw fit. So Micah has set up an idol in his home. Uh, we might remember some of the other idols that were set up in Israel during this season of the Judges. Gideon, of course, set up an idol in his home that became a uh, curse to Israel. Um, So in the meantime, there's a young Levite. Now, if you recall from earlier in the Old Testament, the Levites are the people who God has commissioned to be his priests in Israel. Uh, They're one of the clans of Israel, one of the families. One of Jacob's sons was Levi, and his tribe uh, became the the priests in Israel. His tribe is a tribe that Joseph and his older brother Aaron came from, and Aaron's children, who were all Levites, were 
commissioned by God to be priests during the Exodus. And so uh, this Levite shows up and he's looking for a new home and, and comes upon Micah's house on the hill country of Ephraim. And Micah says to him, hey, who are you? Where are you from? He says, I'm a Levite from Bethlehem and Judah, and I'm looking for a place to stay. And so the end of chapter 17, Micah says to him, hey, live with me, be my priest here. I've got this nice little, you know, uh, shrine set up. I've got this great idol and I want you to live here and be a priest for me. And, and then I know that the Lord, that Yahweh is going to be good to me because I have one of his priests, a Levite, living here in my home. Now, of course, the original audience is meant to clue in right away. What do we know about this God, Yahweh, that Micah is hoping is going to be good to him because of this priest that he has? And we know that Yahweh has commanded his people not to make idols, not to make graven images. And yet, for some reason, Micah's presumption, and maybe his mother's as well, is that I'm going to worship God with this idol and this shrine. I'm going to worship God the way that I want to worship God and not the way that he has commanded me to worship him. I'm going to take the, the knowledge of God and I'm going to mix into that some of my preferences, some of the things that I want to do. And then he, you know, by a stroke of good luck, happens upon a priest and he says, I want to have this priest sanction my way of worshiping God. Of course, in ancient Israel, this would have seemed offensive and apostate right away. Only people who would fall away from God, only people who are not following God would presume to worship him in their way. Nowadays, the concept of worshiping God my way is probably in many ways something that we would applaud, something certainly that we would feel is totally acceptable. No, you worship God your way, I'll worship God my way. Of course, the commentary of this story is, is painting to that phenomenon of people doing what they think is right in their own eyes as evidence of just how far people have fallen from God. The story continues in chapter 18, and we switch gears. No longer are we looking straight at, at Micah in his house in the hill country of Ephraim, but we're looking at the larger tribe of Dan. And, and 18 starts off saying, in those days, the tribe of the Danites, another tribe of Israel, was seeking a place of their own where they could settle. And they had not yet come into their inheritance among the tribes of Israel. And so the Danites send out five of their leading men to spy out some land and, and explore it. And they enter into the hill country of Ephraim and they go to the house of Micah where they spend the night, evident, evidently beneficiaries of Micah's hospitality. And they're there and they recognize this young Levite who's there serving. And they're like, what are you doing here? What are you doing in this place? And so he tells them, hey, this guy Micah hired me to be his priest. We're here. He's got his little shrine. I'm the priest here. And so they ask this Levite to inquire of God whether their journey, they've been sent out by the tribe of Dan to find a new place for the Danites to live. They, they ask him, can you ask God whether our journey is going to be successful? And the priest answers them and says, go in peace. Your journey has the Lord's approval. And so the, these five men move on to another city and they find the people who are there living peacefully. Uh, they're, they're not Israelites, um, but they see these people living in, in prosperity in, in a city called Laish. 
and uh, and they see the land is rich, and and they're separated. These people are far away from the other Sidonians, the people who they might protect them, and so they return to where the Danites are, and they say, "Hey, there's this little isolated town of Sidonians. It's a rich village. You should come with us. We will." attack them, and we'll take their land away from them and see that God has given us uh, what, what he owes us, an inheritance. And so, so 600 men of the Danites go up, they're armed for battle, and they're heading over to Laish to, to conquer it. And they stop by Micah's house. And they say to this young Levite who's there, they say, you need to come with us. We need to have a priest here among us to represent God's presence. And we're off to to go and, and conquer people of Laish. And, uh, and so we need you to come with. And so they, they go inside, they get the priests, uh, they take the idol as well and the ephod and the household gods. They take all of this idolatrous material and they are heading out. And as they're heading out, Micah <laughs> sees that they're leaving. He says, what are you doing? And they say, don't try to stop us. Uh, this, it's better for this man to be our priest than it is for him to just serve you. It's better for him to serve a whole clan than just a family. And of course, the priest is feeling pretty important as he's just been recruited for this new venture. And so he goes along with the people and they leave Micah's place. So after they leave, Micah evidently gets together some of the people of his people who were there living near him and they they take off as a group going after the Danites saying come on what what is the matter with you you your men are going out to fight you've taken our gods you've taken the priests and and uh what are you thinking and at this point the Danites say hey you need to leave us alone let us go on our way or we're going to attack you and your family is going to lose your lives and so at that point Micah and, and his the people who are living around him, maybe his relatives, uh, they just retreat and the Danites go on their way. Now, it is interesting here because what we're seeing in this moment is what results from uh, a fallen away, an apostate, a godless society. And what we see is that strength ends up being the thing that rules. Whoever has the most weapons, whoever has the most men, whoever has the strength is is ultimately at that point the one who decides what is right or what is wrong. And so in this fallen place, in this age when everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes, 600 Danites might just show up and steal your priest away. And there is no one to come in and intervene and save you. There is no justice. And particularly in this story, there is no appeal made to God for justice. There's no appeal made to God to come and save me. So often when we fall into the trap of worshiping God in our own way, we fall into the trap of worshiping a God who is in our image rather than believing that we are created in his image. We, we fall into the trap of worshiping a God who is who we think he should be rather than the God who genuinely is who he is, the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so here, Micah has no, no recourse. The Danites have taken his priests. They, they've taken all of his idols, and they're off to war in the name of the Lord with a priest that God hasn't appointed and with idols that he has specifically forbade. But still, they're, they're off to war in the name of the Lord. So they take these articles and the priests, and they go up against the people of Laish. They were a people who were 
who are called at peace and secure. They attack them with a sword. They burn down their city. And of course, no one's there to rescue them because they're isolated from Sidon. This is, a, this is another story of people coming in the name of the Lord and, and maybe even seeing their strength and the vulnerability of their opponent as evidence that God is on their side, which I don't know that we're supposed to read that here in this city, that God is on the side of these Danites. In, in fact, uh, the ones who are named uh, peaceful in here are the people of Laish. And the ones who are painted as oppressive and violent are the people of God. And so sometimes, uh, you know, in, in prior times when God was giving his people victory, they were the underdogs. They were the ones who were surrounded by enemies and oppressors and stronger people all around. In this story, we have the people of God surrounding a village of Sidonians who are isolated from their people, who are vulnerable, and putting them to the sword and burning down their city. And then seeing that as somehow God's provision in their life. Uh, we just, I, I believe that we're on thin ice when we are seeing our achievements that happen by our own strength, by our own advantage, when we somehow begin to credit that to, to God's blessing in our lives. Uh, I think this is a great story that would remind us that when we're tempted, when our own advantage or our own strength has achieved certain things for us, it would remind us that we may be, in fact, uh, worshiping some kind of an idol. We may be, in fact, uh, living in a day and an age when it is more that people are doing what seems right in their own eyes than actually following the word of the Lord. Uh, so these people conquer the city. Uh, they set up the, their, their own priests for the tribe of Dan, of Dan and uh, their own priests from this group of Levites. They set up their own shrine. Uh, they have this idol that Micah made. And, and it is here in this new community in, in Laish. And, and the chapter ends with this saying, they continued to use the idol that Micah had made. And yet all the time, the house of God was in Shiloh. Need further evidence that these people are moving outside of God's plan for them, that, that even though they are being militarily victorious, and even though they are conquering land, that they are not going with the presence of God. It's right here. We're reminded at the close of this that all of this time, the house of God, the place that God dwells, the place where God desires to be worshipped, his tabernacle, is set up in Shiloh. The implication of that being that the people who are worshipping God are going to Shiloh. It is the adulterers, it is those who have fallen away from God who are worshipping him in their own manner in this city that the Danites have rebuilt. So I think takeaways for us are are just a reminder to be asking those questions uh, in our successes when we find ourselves with an advantage, when we find ourselves one-upping the competition. Are, is it, is it, should it be pointed to as divine guidance and divine approval of everything we're doing? Or is it just the reality of a society where might makes right, where strength prospers? We want to be mindful of these things. We don't want to be like the people of Dan setting up our own idols, setting up our own form of worship, setting up our own religious institutions in a place that God has never expressed his desire to be worshipped, in a form that God has maybe specifically forbade. And, uh, and we don't want to fall into those same traps. And so uh, my prayer today is that God would give us wisdom, that he would give us insight into our own practices of worship, into our own religious 
uh, commitments and that he would help us to discern which of those things are things prescribed by him, which of those things are are done by us in the manner that he desires to be worshipped in spirit and in truth, and which of those things are cultural expressions that that really are more an indicator of how far we've fallen than how far we've come. And so, Lord, we just submit ourselves to you today. We ask you to search our hearts. Uh, we thank you that these stories are here for us as reminders and as warnings of the pitfalls of humanity seeking to be uh, their own God, seeking to to be who they want to be rather than who God has called them to be. Uh, today, we want to bow low before your Holy Spirit. We want to open ourselves up and and reflect on, on who we are and how we worship and what we do. And we want to say, Lord, show us where we need to make changes. Show us if there's any way inside of us that is is wandering from the path you've called us to. And, and like only you can, graciously draw us back to the way that you've called us to walk in. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, Renewal. Look forward to getting into the, the next chapters of Judges next week. And um, yeah, I hope this weekend's been fruitful for you. Be blessed and may God's face shine upon you as you seek to be his people, uh, shining like the stars as you hold out uh, the word of faith that he's written on your hearts.